Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast. Speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by Gemseek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CX Impact Podcast. My name is Momcho Boskov, Season 6 expert at Gemseek, and I'll be your host. Today's episode is the first episode of the year and the first episode of season two. In this episode, we have decided to take another perspective on customer experience, focusing on the foundational research and insights that could later be used for sales enablement and innovation. We'll be talking about the healthcare industry and more specifically medtech industry, which wasn't really an early adopter six, but it's quickly catching up. Our guest, is the ultimate performance champion, to put it this way. His experience dates to 2005, uh, when he enrolled for an internship in Dragon Medical, which are the leaders in medical and safety technology. Throughout the course of his career, he has worked for Deloitte Consulting and for the Dutch health tech giant Philips. Today, he is a regional business manager in Johnson & Johnson. And he is also a certified paramedic, being a healthcare practitioner, so he really has a perspective from all sides. Let us welcome to the Six Impact Podcast, Dr. Carl Machado. Thanks, Momchil, for the invite. It's a pleasure speaking to you. Your background is really impressive, and I love the fact that you're not just a sales guy, but you're also a practitioner, so you have a really super rich background. Tell us a bit about yourself and your journey to research and analytics. My pleasure. So I describe myself as a passionate person that always was into healthcare. I started actually in the healthcare setting at the age of 11 as a volunteer in the German Red Cross and being active there. I would say I, I love customer interaction. It gives me lots of energy. And in my case, I'm trying to help solving problems in hospitals. And in short, in my private life, I'm 40 years young married. I have two lovely kids that you might hear in the background jumping around, uh, living in the Stuttgart area. And besides sports, I'm very much into jazz, passionate jazz trumpet soloist. Whenever I have time or when I had time before in Corona times, I love doing that. And I even considered doing that professionally at the beginning of my studies. So that's me. Wow. Sounds really, really exciting. Before jumping into our talk, I just want to ask about the jazz and being a mu musician to, to some extent. How you use this into your daily work and how this can be transferred in your daily experiences? <laughs> that's, that's a nice question. I think that jazz has one thing very much that applies to, to the work uh, in, in healthcare, but both uh, in healthcare as well in, as in sales. The jazz is a lot about improvising. And I think improvisation where you basically know what is the tune that you're playing but there is always some creativity needed to play a bit more outside what uh, is written on on paper and i think this is a strength that jazz musicians very much have that they can improvise uh, and use their create creativity which is also needed if you talk about converting and prospects to a win in sales right so i think that is maybe the link that i can immediately see Thanks for sharing. And I guess this is also what many leaders in healthcare need in order to solve some very tough problems in the sector. So jumping to my first question, you're really deep into research, something that's really very near and dear to Gemseek as well. Why it's critical to invest in thorough customer research before kicking off a project? 
So maybe put this into perspective, I'm not anymore into research, but I'm actually, I was working for Philips Research for four years. And I think what I've observed in many, many years, it's very simple. If you don't speak to your customers, you have no clue what they care about. And I believe that customer interaction is crucial for innovation. And uh, what I've observed in many companies, and you can see this in history, that many examples of companies, but they basically grew successfully with one great idea. They made lots of money, but they failed to reinvent themselves from time to time. You can see this with BlackBerry, Nokia, or Nixdorf computers. All were market leaders, but ignored trends and customer demands. And if you ask me, well, what can we take out of this? If companies do not engage in customer research, if they do not do that in a structured way, I believe they will be wasting money and lots of time. And having led several customer research projects myself and seen also the results that we get out of that, I think I could say there is no doubt that if you don't do customer research at an early stage of product development or even before you start a product development project, it's a waste of money. It can go nowhere. So what I'm trying to say is if you invest into customer research, you have a much more targeted innovation entity working, developing solutions that are really needed and not that can just technically be, be done. As you stress, you're currently into sales and leading Johnson Johnson sales team. So I was wondering in the context of what you currently do, how research analytics fit. And uh, would it be safe to say that we're talking about customer experience enablement rather than only selling products and services? And sales organization is actually one of the most important assets that companies have. Why? They enable companies to innovate by financing it. As sales are typically, or at least should be extremely close to customers, they are the ears and eyes of a company. So their feedback that they receive in hopefully every day's interaction with customers should be heard and articulated so that, for example, product managers and engineers, they hear and they discuss it and they take advantage out of that. So I would even say sales is the first level of, or the first integral part of customer experience enablement because they talk to customers. And if I think about, well, what does that mean? Let me give you two examples. I remember a story that was basically I experienced a couple of years ago. I was on the subway talking to a junior product manager and I've asked her, well, what are the customers that you recently met? I mean, she was in that uh, role for, I think, two and a half years. And she answered, well, mm, I have not met any customers yet because for various reasons. And I said, well, how can you innovate? How can you drive your product development if you have never visited a hospital? I mean, it's just like an engineer at whatever, Porsche or Mercedes. You want to develop a car, but if you don't have a driver's license, if you don't know how it is, how can you do that? So I'm a deep believer that if you want to develop, for example, any product, specifically medical products, you need to know what an OR is. You need to see, smell, and feel how it is to be in an ICU. You need to be, so intensive care unit, sorry. So you need to be able to observe those organizational failures if that happens. And that's something that I've uh, seen far too often on my team. So what I do, for if it's an intern, if it's a new employee, I basically ask them, spend three days in hospitals observing and talking to customers, to practitioners, to basically learn and basically get into this area. The other example that I've observed, and I think that is also a good example why customer research is important, is I've seen, let's say, development projects starting 
out of a technical idea. And this is actually great, right? You need innovation, you need creativity to come up with ideas that can make your business run. But engineering is strong. If you develop a product based on an idea, because it can technically be done without talking to customers if they really need this, this leads to over-engineering, to spending several R&D resources on developing a little nitty-gritty detail that at the end nobody will be using in products, which will then increase the price. So again, I believe the earlier you start with asking the right customers in the right geographies about what is the key problem that you're trying to solve, that you use this input as a targeted briefing of your engineers or your agile development teams, then you will be saving lots of time because you know what you're talking about and you will have a commercially successful product. And I think that is really key to talk to customers and also observe what is the environment you're making a product for. So what you mentioned, it really serves as the first level of customer experience enablement, but often there is a gap, I believe, between product and sales. So how did you manage to overcome this one? I think, again, it's not that complicated, is listen to your customers. And I even wrote an article on this that we might put in a speaker's notes if that's possible. It is very simple. Let me give you an example. I recently talked to a customer and she was a chief physician and she told me, your products are discriminating women. And I said, whoa, what's, what, is, what, whoa. what are you yeah. trying to tell me? Which is a very hard statement. And she said, well, look at me. And she had an Asian background. She had relatively small hands. And she said, well, with the size of my hands, I can't operate one of your products. It's simply not made for small hands. Taking into consideration that surgery is becoming more and more female, that is something that we need to listen to. So what I did is just sharing that feedback with our GM. I shared it with the product management and said, hey, we need to do something about that because it's not sufficient to just do a standard size product, but we need to be reflecting various users of our products. And I think that is very simple where sales can be a driver of innovation. And even it's not a revolutionary development, but it's an evolution of products to be basically usable for more and more customer groups. And I mean, women also need to be using products that fit their physique, so to say. In addition to that, it's not just talking and listening. Every company should have structured processes to share customer feedback, if it's positive or negative, with the right people, with a right organization, so you can assess and structure and take a decision if you're going to make any changes or not. And I think that is that is really crucial, but it starts with listening. And in healthcare, research is super expensive and takes usually more time than what you see in the consumer world. So what are good ways for you to overcome these obstacles if we go beyond the sales team, but collecting uh, insights from also other probably physicians and nurses uh, which are working with competitive products and solutions? If I understand your question correctly, I mean, healthcare innovation is expensive. This is a highly regulated market, uh, so you can't just develop a product and put it somewhere. And this, I think, increases the urgency to really assess what are the specific customer needs in the market you're aiming for? Just to give you an example, if you put up a product, and this is a nice example actually because I work with that device. In Germany, you have a defibrillator. These are the things that measure ECG. You see it on every movie, basically. Weight counts. Weight makes a difference in an emergency medical service setting. So if you go to the US, the requirements for 
defibrillators is in an emergency medical service area is totally different. They can be heavier. Why? In Germany, if you have a bad emergency, you typically have four to five people being on site and treating the patient. In the US, you might have multiple trucks serving this patient with six, eight, or partially even 10 people from the fire department. So you have more people to carry the weight of a device. And this is a differentiator. So what I'm trying to say is it's crucial to not only speak to doctors because the requirement of a doctor or nurse or a user, end user, if you transfer it into other industry is different from Germany to Austria, even though it's just across the border. And it's definitely different And if you go over the ocean to the States. So what I suggest is talk I think it's critical to define who is my target customer, who are the stakeholders that I want to speak with. Is it just the end user, I mean, the driver of a car? Might it also be the car insurance companies because they benefit from less crashes and therefore less costs that they need to pay? Is it the purchasing department in, in hospitals, for example? So it's highly different. But my recommendation is define that clearly upfront. And this is where I think also Gemseek is extremely strong to help industry doing that and ask them in the geography that you want to target. And then you will get very good results. And I think one statement can also be that you don't move on with certain projects. So innovation is a lot about making choices, right? So out of such a customer research project, it could also be, and I experienced that, that we ran a project for 15 or 20 million invests. We stopped it because we did not see that what we were aiming for was making our customers' problems disappear. So we stopped it. And I think that is also a very important function that customer research has. Usually people will go into research also with a, a bias about the outcomes. And no matter what they get out of it, especially after such a huge investment that you mentioned, they try to skew the results or even take a different point of view and continue forward with such an initiative. Can you share not the details about the initiative, but how you managed to take this decision to discontinue? Absolutely. First of all, you have to be honest to yourself. Of course, it is a high risk. If you have invested 20 million euros or so in an innovation project or R&D project, and it doesn't fly within the time you expected, then it's a very critical decision to say, well, we move on, we put more money and effort and resources into that. Or you just be honest to yourself and ask, well, does it really make sense? Does it have a chance to continue? And I think that is critical to reassess this, not as a single person, but in a team of experts, in a team of executives. And this is what we actually done. We prepare a decision for the senior management and made a suggestion to continue or not to continue based on a business case. And I think that is extremely important. In this case, it was not an ideal case because we were running for quite some time, but we've learned out of that to restart to assess the market size and the potential of a certain innovation before we actually invest 20 million. But again, it's better late than sorry. So to say it's better stopping a project extremely late before continuing with a project that will just be burning money for endlessly. You mentioned being that you're passionate, but I would say that you're also brave. <laughs> Your entire team was brave in order to take these decisions and to discontinue this and to accept that uh, it's a good time to stop and not invest furthermore in this one. I have an additional question as you're also a paramedic and a healthcare practitioner yourself. So to be super interesting to share how being aware of 
physicians, nurses experience and also being in touch with patients helps you in your uh, day-to-day work? I think in my specific case, it helps me because I understand the clinician's language. That is uh, definitely a big major advantage that I know how it is to be resuscitating a patient or how it is to transport a critical patient from A to B. And uh, this is also an observation that I've made and also by talking to friends that are in an innovation space. Often engineers are highly creative people, right? They tend to develop things and, and to come up with ideas that are really, really nice. But then at some point of time, you hit reality. And the earlier you hit reality, the better for the company. Why? Let me give you an example. If someone comes up with the idea that you we develop a, a glass where you put or a cup of coffee where you put in an integrated thermometer that also measures pulse rate uh, while you're drinking. Technically, it's a challenge. It's nice to do this and put in sensors. But at the end of the day, who will really, really benefit from such a product. Who is willing to pay 200 euros for a cup that if that falls down, it's broken. This is innovation, I think, that is not targeted, that is not necessarily solving a problem. So I think translating, let's say, requirements from a practitioner's perspective and giving advice to product management and also to basically to healthcare companies, I think this is where I could say there is a bigger advantage in having a clinical background and knowing simply what I'm talking about. We're coming to the end of our conversation. It's not an easy going and wide-hearted topic, but it's part of today's reality. Uh, you have been very vocal on social media about the Ukraine's invasion. We have seen companies donating generous amounts uh, to non-profit organizations dealing with the crisis or transform their office spaces to provide housing for refugees. And that really happened in a matter of days. Do you think that that quick, positive and welcoming response would have been possible? if businesses and all across the globe, but also healthcare, had started their human-centric transformation a decade ago? That's a hard question. First of all, I think what is currently happening in the world, specifically uh, with seeing all the suffering in Ukraine, it's just awful. And I really condemn the attack on Ukraine by Russia. I think that is something that possibly could have been avoided. And I simply can't believe what I'm seeing every day. I mean, I'm not into politics that much, so I can't really comment uh, on, on things that might have led to. But what I believe, and at the end of the day, human interaction has a lot of things to do with understanding each other's perspective. And I think this is exactly what we also require in an innovation space as well in sales. We need to understand each other. And I think this is the point that might have helped in this crisis situation, might have helped also in industry to face challenges better by trying to understand what is the perspective of the other and trying to adopt this. I think, um, and now not coming to a political statement because I'm, again, not into politics, but I think what we have seen, the great solidarity that all the big companies and also other countries have shown to the Ukraine, it's just fantastic because at the end of the day, these are humans that need help and taking action there and trying to help is, is excellent. And I also donated, not a big amount of money, but I donated to a non-profit organization just to, to contribute. And I think what is important to, again, speak to each other, try to understand each other's perspective, then misunderstandings and conflicts might be avoided. And at the end of the day, we might not run into trouble in business, but also in our daily life. 
Thanks for sharing your perspective. I've personally also donated an amount, probably not very big, but still. And as a company, we also do our best to support Ukrainians in these heavy times. We come to the end of our conversation and I usually close all conversations with a question. So you can provide really only a single piece of advice to healthcare leaders who want to make patient and physicians-based transformation. What would be your advice? If you want to end uh, with a positive thing, maybe I shouldn't be touching on Corona. But honestly, besides the awful suffering that this has caused, I think it also had some positive aspects. It showed the amazing opportunities where we could enhance digitization in all different areas, if it was administration, if it was in business, but also in healthcare. And I think if healthcare leaders are realizing where they also see the biggest gaps, that would probably be in, in that specific area. And I believe it's never too late if you want to start digital transformation. The worst thing that you can do is that you ignore it and you're afraid of it. And I think it is a major stretch for many hospitals to enter this digital space. And I think you ask about an advice. Advice that I would give is, first of all, partner with industry because industry is very much ahead with many, many ideas that, and projects and concrete concepts that are there. So I think it's about to co-create together to understand how can we get healthcare itself to the next level. Second advice, don't get frustrated by people that don't want to embrace this, but try to convince about the, the values that they get out of it. And third, keep on doing. I think digital transformation can, and also digitization can mean many, many things. And if we don't start now, we'll lose this game. And I think it's about time in many areas, if it's administration, to get a new passport or social security number, or if it's in healthcare to make basically patient treatments better. It's never too late to start, but we need to start. So I think it's highly interesting and let's get started. It's cool. Thanks a lot. And thanks for your time today and the super inspiring conversation. It was a Huge pleasure for me to chat. My pleasure. Thanks, Momchil, and all the best. If you liked this episode, hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.